0: For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This lesson is entitled, The Purpose and Function of Church Finance and Audit Committees with Ben Hobbs. Brother Hobbs oversees the financial offices of Lancaster Baptist Church, including West Coast Baptist College and Lancaster Baptist School.
1: I'd like to start by sharing a couple of passages of Scripture. First of all, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2, a familiar passage of Scripture. It says, uh, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. In 2 Corinthians 8, 20 and 21, really a great passage of Scripture, it says, Avoiding this, Verse 20, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. Verse 21, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Think about verse 20 for a moment, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered, of it, uh, administered by us. In other words, um, as God blesses our churches, as God provides the resources, we're to be blameless in our handling of those, of those resources. Verse 21, providing for honest things. It's an interesting statement. It says, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Do you realize that we can do things And we can do things with a clear conscience before the Lord and have done things honestly, but we can do them in such a way that it's misperceived by others. And this is caution here that we are to do things not only obviously right in God's sight, but also right in the sight of of men. Uh, We've all heard the expression, uh, perception is reality. And uh, that's the truth. Uh, What people perceive, they act on and it's important for us as leaders in the local church to realize that and uh, to be challenged by this verse to to do things in such a way that it's gonna be properly perceived by our church family. Uh, In this day of uh, when we read frequently and hear frequently about those in the ministry uh, whose goal is personal enrichment uh, versus advancing the gospel message, it's increasingly important for us to exercise the highest standards of stewardship and accountability. Uh, In a day when the average uh, person who watches the evening news doesn't know the difference between a televangelist and a faithful local church Baptist preacher, uh, it's increasingly important that we differentiate ourselves by having a higher degree of stewardship and demonstrating a higher degree of accountability. Um, In a day when our ability to minister effectively Uh, to our church families and to fulfill the duties of the Great Commission, it's increasingly vital that we stay abreast of the issues of today and that we uh, do things and set things up in a way that we protect the good name and the assets of our local churches. And so while the concept of having a finance committee and having an audit committee isn't new, it is becoming ever more important. And uh, it's so important to have those committees properly staffed and fully functioning Uh, to provide a greater level of service of stewardship and accountability to our churches. Uh, The sad reality is that the church is not immune from fraud and abuse. Um, Just Google uh, today, just Googled uh, church fraud, and it comes up 50,000 links uh, to, to that, and if you just read through, they're sad stories, all of them, of things that happen. Uh, to the local church. But God's Word, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. Think about that. That's a strong statement. The root of all evil is the love of money. And think about that. Financial fraud was present in the original 12 disciples. Uh, John 12, verse uh, 3 through 6, we read, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And what a wonderful act of love and adoration toward our Savior that Mary exhibited. And the, but think about this. Could you imagine that in the same instant that this wonderful, incredible act was done, verse 6 or verse 5, Judas Iscariot pipes up and says, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Could you believe that? I mean, you can tell where his heart is immediately just by what he asks and says. And then John so aptly uh, zeroes in on Judas here in verse six. And he said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And uh, churches are not immune to this thing. And it's been the history of our church. And it's important uh, that we as church leaders understand that we have a fiduciary responsibility that we provide the proper oversight uh, to, and controls in our local churches to prevent fraud, to prevent waste and abuse in the, the handling of the church finances. So I wanna build on that thought in our outline, hopefully all of you have an outline now, and uh, move through that as we talk about these two important church committees. First of all, I just wanna talk about the priority of accountability, the priority of accountability. Pastor Chapel often says we should embrace accountability and eliminate doubt. Uh, as Pastor Chappell uh, pointed out in his uh, Monday night message, a great message, uh, point uh, letter A there, the church is not owned by individuals, it's, it's the Lord's. So point A there is the church is not owned by individuals. Acts twenty twenty eight says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. So the church belongs to the Lord and because the Lord then is the owner, that makes us what? Stewards. And we're stewards then of all of the resources that God gives to the local church. Point letter number B there. Church leaders then have a fiduciary responsibility to its members. Church leaders have a fiduciary responsibility to its members. And that word fiduciary is a legal term. It it means that we have a, a, a trust obligation to those who give resources to the local church, that we're using them in the highest, with the highest degree of integrity and stewardship. And that, that applies to everybody, the pastor, the deacons, the directors, the officers, the staff of the church, trustees, everybody who has a hand in using those resources in the church has a fiduciary obligation to the church. Uh, next, uh, next point there in your outline, um, the church, if we ever forget, and when we forget that we have that fiduciary responsibility, letter C there, we should realize that the church is funded by the free will gifts of God's people. Uh, we're not selling things. Uh, we're not uh, creating things to be sold or given away. We are funded every day by God's people giving to the local church that requires us to realize that we need to take this thing of stewardship very, very seriously. If we violate the trust of our church family, they can stop giving, and that effectively hinders and limits and perhaps kills the ministry of that local church. So uh, first of all, the the importance of of accountability. Next, the significance of oversight, the significance of oversight. and the handling of finances for any organization, not just churches, it's important that we have uh, that we practice this thing of looking over each other's shoulders in a, in a figurative sense. Um, that's just, that's pure accountability in its, in its purest form, that we all kind of know what each other are doing in the handling of the church finances. Uh, let me give you a couple of reasons why that's important. First of all, letter A, in the, for the detection of errors. The detection of errors uh, you know, the only thing that's inerrant in the local church is God's word. And the rest of us are fallible and prone to error. So I welcome, and all of us that work in the financial area, welcome someone looking over our shoulder, looking over our work, to make sure that we're not doing something that's going to create a loss, an error for the local church. Uh, letter B, another significance of oversight another other areas in the detection of fraud. The detection of fraud. And it's, um, it's uncomfortable to discuss this, but the reality is that the church is susceptible to fraud. And, you uh, know, just as an aside, I'd like to mention that that fraud takes place in the local church when three factors align. And it's something that you should be very careful to watch for. Let me give you the first factor is need, need. Um, it's, you know, the verse in, in God's Word where it's talking to pastors saying, know the state of your flocks. It's so important that uh, the folks that are in leadership positions understand the state of the folks that work and handle the finances in the church. Um, and I'll say this, and, I, and, we, and we love people where they are. Let's say we have a bookkeeper who, uh, who's uh, a, a lady whose husband becomes unemployed and they start going through a very severe financial difficulty. We need to understand that. And, and it may cause us to have to change maybe roles and responsibilities for that individual because it's creating a need in that individual's life that may become a problem. So we have to understand the first factor that we really need to understand is, is there a need that's being created that could potentially lead to a, to a problem? The second factor that sometimes comes into alignment, that does come into alignment when fraud occurs in a church, is this thing called rationalization. Rationalization. Um, and this, this is something where we fail to guard our heart, where we, we become, we, where we get this feeling that maybe we're owed something or maybe we go beyond in one area and we feel like we can take that back in another area. It's rationalization, you know what that means. We have to guard our hearts in those areas that we don't rationalize uh, things with the resources that God has given to the church. And then the third factor, opportunity. The third factor, uh, and when those three factors align, you have a very, very high, uh, uh, you've created environment for fraud to occur in the local church. And when I say opportunity, uh, we need to be careful that we're not creating opportunity for folks to fail. Um, And there's plenty of scripture to talk about not placing a stumbling block in the path of someone. But we do that, we eliminate those opportunities by creating appropriate internal controls. Uh, last year, I think I did a session on internal controls, uh, so important for local churches. That's the protection for the ministry. Those are the checks and balances that we put into place, the policies and procedures that prevent one person for ha- from handling money by themselves or prevents one person uh, from having access to a safe where money is kept or prevents one person from from having control over an asset that no one else is aware of. Those are internal controls, and we'll talk about that in, in, in just a moment, a little more in depth. Uh, so uh, we, the significance of oversight in, A, the detection of fraud, B, the detect, uh, or, I'm sorry, detection of errors, B, the detection of fraud. Letter C there, the mitigation of risk. The mitigation of risk. Proverbs 22 uh, verse 3 says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. Uh, One of the valuable roles of having an audit committee and a finance committee is to have folks there that are understanding and looking for risks that could potentially exist in the operating environment of the church and the handling of the finances. And once those risks are identified, then we take steps to minimize or mitigate or alleviate those risks. And then, letter D there multitude of counselors, multitude of counselors. Uh, why is it important to have these committees? Listen, Proverbs 24, verse 6, for by wise counsel thou shalt make war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. And I firmly believe that having these two particular committees that we're talking about today provides that, uh, that increase in the number of counselors and provides that level of safety for the ministry. So we've talked about the priority of accountability, the significance of oversight. Letter 3 there in your, in your outline, really, really important. We have those committees to share the burden, for the sharing of the burden. Acts 6 verses 2 through 4, I'm sure you're familiar with those passages, but it says, Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Here at Lancaster Baptist Church, we have a finance committee, and we have an audit committee, and we have other committees, but those two to help lighten the load of our pastor. He's got plenty on his plate right now than to have to worry about are we exercising appropriate controls and how we handle the offerings or uh, you know is there a financial indicator or ratio that's going awry for the church? He's got plenty to worry about and he becomes aware of those things, but we have the godly men that help us in that area. So sharing the burden. Uh, let me give you a couple of points under that. at Lancaster Baptist, these two committees, are uh, constituted primarily by uh, subsets of the full deacons uh, full deacon board most of the members in other words of these two committees are members of the deacon uh, board for the church letter b this deacons uh, serve as the board of directors for the church as well for legal purposes so uh, corporations we're incorporated in california corporations need to have board of directors and and our deacons serve Uh, for legal purposes as that board of directors. But more importantly, letter C, biblically these men fulfill servant roles by sharing the burden of our pastor. And we come up with a lot of fancy things that deacons do and and, uh, man, they really do bear burdens and they do a lot of things at Lancaster Baptist Church. But the bottom line and biblically is that our deacons are servants and uh, they're one of the two offices that God's word establishes to help bear uh, the needs and meet the needs of, of our church family. So we've lo- looked at sharing the burden. Let's look at uh, letter four there, the composition, the composition of the committees. What are some character traits that need to be uh, a part of the members of these two committees? And there's, there are many, but let me just give you three. First of all, godliness godliness the last thing you want on, a, on the, the finance committee and the audit committee is someone who's not walking with the Lord someone who's not ministry minded and well we are blessed here uh, we have no one like that on our on our deacon board all of those men are godly men and walk with the Lord a quote I read the, just the other day only people involved in ministry are going to be ministry minded uh, so it's been so neat here that pastor uh, has has people serving on these, on these boards who are on the front lines of ministry so not only do they have as we'll see in just a moment expertise in, in these areas but they're ministry minded they have a ministry heart so let her be there in addition to godliness let her be expertise and by expertise the the men who serve and I say men now as you know because now most of the, the the men that serve on those boards are are deacons and that's a biblical requirement for deacons is that they be men. Uh so uh their uh, expertise when i say expertise i'm primarily talking about expertise in accounting in finance and perhaps in uh maybe a strong business background. And we have folks on our uh, deacons board from all the whole spectrum of of, of uh, careers and in uh, industries from aerospace, to law enforcement, to, to accounting, uh, to legal. We have just men across all different spectrums, but the folks that, that serve on these two committees should have a strong and a good understanding of accounting and finance and, and business, uh, uh, business orientation. So that's what I mean when I say expertise. Letter C there, independence. The composition of these com- committees, independence. And this is an important thing to think about. Um, When I talk about independence, I'm I'm talking about the influence that gets exercised over these committees by perhaps the pastor or the deacons at large, or perhaps by the staff, maybe the financial staff. And it's important that these committees are able to operate without having undue influence on them. So for example, the the finance committee. Uh, The finance committee would typically include the pastor, and it would typically include the highest ranking financial staff member. Uh, But the rest of the folks on that committee would be non-staff, non-employees of the ministry. So they would be deacons who aren't employed by the ministry in addition to the pastor, in addition to, in in our case, the financial administrator being on that committee. Now, when we talk about the audit committee, It's important that the audit committee not have anybody on that committee that's part of the financial staff or a staff member of the church. Um, It would not be appropriate, for instance, for me to be on the audit committee as a financial administrator for the ministry because I could wield influence on that committee. I could theoretically point that committee maybe in a direction away from something that they needed to look at. And it's important then that that committee is able to operate independently. And not independently in a a rebellious sense, but independently in the proper uh, sense of not being improperly influenced. So independence is an important part of the composition of the committees. Now, I wanna take a few minutes here. Uh, This is not gonna be a long session. Uh, I got lots of pages, but I'm talking really quick. So uh, sorry if I'm, I'm rushing, but I wanna talk for a few minutes about the duties of the two different committees. And the duties of the finance committee, first of all, a letter, uh, Roman numeral five there in your outline, the duties of the finance committee, those responsibilities are outlined in a document called the authorization statement. And your church should have an authorization statement that is basically the job description for that committee. And it's a job description that the pastor and the deacons have approved so that the pastor and deacons know what that committee is doing, what they've been uh, what they've been authorized to do. And so, when we talk, we're going to talk through a handful of duties for each of these committees. But these are are duties that should be in that authorization statement. And these are uh, these are kind of wordy. So uh, I've left the, the the full text in your notes there. And uh, just but I I just wanted you to get a flavor of most of the types of things that the committees do. So first of all. Letter A, under the duties of the finance committee, just generally, they assist the pastor and board of deacons in their oversight of church financial affairs. That's kind of a catch-all. That's basically saying this committee is gonna help wherever they're needed for finan- in the fin- financial matters of the church. That's an easy one. Letter B, uh, they monitor and report on, church, on the church financial condition. They monitor and they report on the church financial condition. And essentially what that means is that we provide and review monthly financial statements. Uh, because I am one of the members of the committee, I provide monthly uh, key balance sheet and income statements to our, to our uh, pastor and, and deacons and to the finance committee. And uh, that's providing them with all of the, the uh, a much greater level of detail than we would, for instance, provide to the average church member. And that's just part of that monitoring and reporting. And so they're able to look at that if they have questions, they're able to ask those questions, and then they're able to report to the entire deacon board as a whole. So that's letter B. Letter C, the third duty that we have here is reviewing and recommending the annual budgets. Reviewing and recommending the annual budgets. Now this is not to say that the finance committee creates the budgets. In our church, our our Directors, our our leadership team members, our uh, the folks that are responsible for the areas of ministry create their own budgets. So, Brother Furso, for instance, is responsible for creating the the soul winning budget and the outreach but outreach budget for the for the ministry. But once uh, we go through the budget preparation process, all the budgets are pulled together and consolidated the finance committee is responsible for looking at those and reviewing those budgets in great detail and this is certainly a much greater detail than would be provided again to the to the average church member In our church once the finance committee reviews the budgets and has had all of their questions and uh, and any issues and changes made uh, then they recommend the budget to pastor and deacons and then uh, once a year we have an annual business meeting we present the budget and uh, the church ratifies our budget uh, every year, letter D, uh, letter D. In addition to reviewing and recommending annual budgets, evaluate and monitor church indebtedness and creditworthiness. So, one of the roles of the finance committee is to to, to understand the loan, our loans, any liabilities that the ministry has, and understand the terms and conditions and uh, the, uh, the covenants that we have on those on those loans, and to make sure that um, that everything's appropriate. They also have a responsibility to look at our credit rating. Uh, Done & Bradstreet, as you know, is, is the, um, the credit report, if you will, for an organization would be your D&B score. So like you'd have maybe a Equifax score as an individual, you'll have a D&B type of a score for ministry. So it's important that someone oversee that, someone's aware of the credit worthiness of the ministry, that we're paying our bills on time, that there's no issues in that regard. Letter E under duties of the Finance Committee review and recommend risk management policies and procedures. This committee helps with with, uh, not only financially related risks, but also maybe ministry. Uh, program-related risks. Understanding uh, that we have policies for uh, for handling, uh, working with children, and for screening volunteers, and all of those kinds of things. This group helps to to minimize the potential risk to the ministry. Risk means if something goes wrong, there's a the potential uh, loss on the part of the church. So this group helps. T- Uh, is aware of those types of things, aware of those policies, and helps to implement and make suggestions in those areas. Letter F, related to that, review and recommend insurance coverage. So annually annually this group will look at our insurance coverage for the ministry and will make sure that it's adequate for based on our needs and based on the risks of the ministry. Letter G, review and approve cash management policies and procedures review and approve cash management policies and procedures so what this group is interested in is what are we doing with our idle cash and uh they're in in related to that in in letter uh, h there reviewing significant bank relations periodically so what are we doing with our excess cash how sound is the financial institution where we're keeping our excess cash Uh, are there any concerns about its uh its uh, uh, liquidity, is there any concerns about its ability to continue to function? And that's just another role uh, that the finance committee plays. And we could go on and list others and others, but these are, these are some primary duties of the finance committee. Now let's look at uh, Roman numeral six here. Some of the duties of the audit committee. These are two separate committees and they have different job responsibilities and really they should have different members. Uh, you shouldn't have the same guys serving on the finance committee as serving on the audit committee. Have different individuals. Their responsibilities are also outlined, should be outlined in an authorization statement. Generally, letter A there, generally their, the, their uh, responsibilities fall into three areas. Uh, first of all, the, the oversight of financial reporting, uh, the oversight of internal controls, and the oversight of the external audit. Those are the three primary responsibilities. This group focuses on the quality of the accounting records. They focus on the quality of the accounting records, good accounting records and good stewardship go hand in hand. Uh, You can't have uh, good stewardship without having good quality, accurate accounting records. Um, Let me just say this, and we're gonna go through several different duties of, of the audit committee. Um, the ideal the ideal is for a church to periodically have an audit by an independent CPA firm. Uh, now I know for a lot of churches that's that's not a possibility. It's, it's an expensive proposition, but that's the ideal. Uh, having a review, by a CPA is good, but it is not having an audit. Uh, having a compilation by a CPA coming in and preparing your financial statements is good, but it's not as good as review, and is certainly not as good as an audit. An audit, they come, the, the auditors come in and they they test your internal control structure. They test. Uh, the, the things that you say you're doing, they look and confirm that you are indeed doing it. So uh, it's, it's important that you understand that there is a difference between uh, a review and an audit. Now, if your church is not able to have an audit, what I would say about the duties that we're about to look at is that the duties for, this, for your audit committee are going to be even greater because now your front line of your external audits not taking place, and now you've got more duties that are, that are gonna be required of the internal or the church audit committee. Is everybody with me on that? So it's important, and I just recommend it. I, you know, most loans, for instance, require audits of churches, you know, re- require churches to have audits. And I've been doing this long enough and have seen enough problems to say whether it's required or not. It's an investment that will pay dividends for many years to come. It's just the right thing to do, in my opinion. So, uh, first of all, they assist the, the pastor and deacons in those three general areas. Letter B, they review the internal control structure for the church. They review the internal control structure for the church. Um, and I gave you the definition of internal controls. Uh, Internal controls are are the procedures that we put into place to do three things. First of all, to safeguard the assets of the ministry. Uh, Safeguarding assets is a basic duty of leadership. Uh, It's our responsibility to make sure that the church, that the doors get locked at night. It's our responsibility to make sure that the offering gets collected and handled properly. Uh, It's our responsibility to make sure that stuff doesn't get stolen, that gas doesn't get siphoned, that I mean, you know, if the church is going to is going to employ us in many cases uh, to be leaders, then basic responsibility is protection of assets. So that's we we put internal controls in place, first of all, to protect assets. Secondly, to check the reliability and accuracy of accounting records. Um, We can't be giving bad information to our pastor to make decisions. Uh, Bad decisions get made off of bad information. So if we provide uh, financial statements that are full of errors, chances are we're gonna make bad decisions and make decisions that uh, may have negative consequences on the ministry. And then third aspect of internal controls is ensuring compliance with policies. Um, That if we have a policy that uh, the offering is gonna be counted by uh, five individuals who are not related and they're gonna rotate, then Part of internal controls is making sure that that policy is being adhered to, that that's actually what's happening. So uh, let me give you an example of, uh, of an internal control that this is the, the number one cause of, of uh, losses in the local church. When this one internal control is violated, it's the single most uh, common reason that churches experience financial loss. And it's, the, it's one that is called the segregation of duties the segregation of duties internal control and when when a church violates this internal control it's setting itself up for a loss that's the bottom line and what that means is there are three types of there are three duties that you don't want the same individuals to perform three duties you do not want the same individual to perform it's first of all the authorization of transactions in most organizations that's like signing the check the authorization of a, of a transaction. Secondly, the recording of the transaction. Uh, that could be the person doing the accounting work for the check, uh, writing the check, uh, paying the bill, uh, the kind of the recording aspect of the accounting process. And then thirdly, the custodian of the asset or the custody of the asset. So, uh, and I, I'll say this because our church has done it in the past and we've we, have to get away from it. Having one person who writes the check and signs the check and then reconciles the bank statement, I mean, that's a violation of all three duties that someone different should be performing in, in every, in all three cases. And uh, again, we, we love our folks, we trust our folks, but the internal control says, you know, you need to have different people involved in those three aspects. So, that's an example. So, our audit committee exists to review the internal control structure of the church. They're going to come in and make sure that through their testing and their interviews and their inquiries that we are indeed having someone differently pre- prepare the, chur- uh, the checks than the person who reconciles a bank statement or the person who signs the checks. And they're confirming that. It's just one of the duties of the, of the audit committee. Letter C there, another duty of the audit committee is to review significant accounting principles, uh, practices, and procedures. And uh, I know this is getting a little compl- complex in terms of the accounting, but in the accounting, you would think in accounting, everything's kind of black and white. But the reality in uh, preparing your year-end financial statements, there, are, there is an element of estimation that takes place. Uh, we estimate the life of an asset maybe that we're creating. Uh, if we're building a building, we're going to estimate how long do we think that building's going to be in, uh, in use. Uh, if we're looking at receivables, uh, maybe you have a school or, or an institute of something of some sort, how we handle those receivables and how we estimate what's going to be in collect- uncollectible. There's an element of estimation that takes place in the accounting discipline, and one of the duties of the audit committee is to help in that area. Uh, Letter number D. Another uh, duty of the audit committee is to periodically conduct internal control tests to evaluate possible weaknesses. Periodically conduct internal control tests to evaluate possible weaknesses. In my opinion, this is one of the most important duties that our Lancaster Baptist Church Audit committee. Uh, performs. And this would be them coming in periodically and reviewing, uh, for instance, our expense reports. Uh, we have an accountable reimbursement plan for the ministry, meaning that when we uh, pay for something personally and ask to be reimbursed, we follow a process of providing a receipt, uh, substantiating the ministry purpose of the of the purchase, and uh, documenting through that, that through a purchase order process. And so they'll come in periodically and say, hey, Uh, Show us the top five reimbursed folks over the quarter and bring us their records where you reimburse them. And then they'll go through and just make sure that the documentation and paperwork is appropriate, that uh, the purchases are substantial, are substantiated, that the purposes are legitimate. Um, Just again, they're looking over our shoulder, a good thing. Another thing that they do uh, is reviewing the use of ministry credit cards. and we read so many crazy things about this in ministries, uh, where it, when you go out and Google the church embezzlement uh, thing, and a lot of that is in, uh, folks that are, that are charged with crimes or folks that are misusing ministry credit cards. So one of their duties is to make sure that those purchases on ministry credit cards or ministry credit accounts are appropriate and comply with ministry purposes. And then uh, in our ministry, they'll come in and they'll review accounts receivable. Uh, they'll look at uh, any accounts that are, are getting uh, old, that maybe a, a school family or a college student uh, who's, who's uh, got a bill that's getting out there, you know, it's 90 days, 120 days. They'll look at those and they'll see, they'll ask us, okay, what is it, what's the plan here for that getting paid off? Or what collection efforts are you guys making for that, for that past due account? They're asking us questions. They're they're not challenging challenging what we're doing. They're providing a level of safety for us. So that uh, letter D, conducting those periodic tests, very, very important role in duty of the audit committee. Letter E, uh, recommending to the board, uh, the selection, retention, and or termination of the auditing firm. So um, as a financial administrator, uh, uh, 12, 13 years ago, I was, uh, I was very much involved in retaining an auditor for the ministry. Uh, but now, uh, we didn't, back then, we didn't have an audit committee. Now we have an audit committee. And as a financial administrator, I, I'm not involved in that. So, really, the protection for me is that I'm not wielding undue influence over the auditing firm that gets selected to audit the records of Lancaster Baptist Church. Remember, we go back to the first part of the session that we're doing things honestly obviously, not only in the sight of the Lord. I mean, look, I need to rest well at night. Nothing better than having a good conscience to be able to sleep well at night. But not only am I doing that for the Lord, I want to do that when our new, newly saved church member who comes from an accounting background and understands Sarbanes-Oxley and all of those things that apply to public corporations, when they come to us and say, well, how do you guys how are your books audited and who selects the auditor for the ministry? It's a blessing to be able to say, Hey, we have an audit committee and that's one of their duties. And they, they look at the role of the, of the auditors. And if there's a conflict or if there's a, a they confirm the independence aspect of that and all of that. It's just a really, really important role of the audit. So letter E, uh, helping in the selection, retention, termination of auditors. Letter F, reviewing the scope and extent of the annual audit. So the audit committee understands the annual audit, the plan that the auditors have. uh, And that's like secret information. That's not information that I, as the financial administrator, should have. I am not supposed to know what the auditors plan to do when they come in and do the annual audit. That's the whole point of having an audit, so that I'm ready across the board not that I'm ready on the area that I know they're gonna ask about. So uh, again, that's a very important role there of the uh, a duty of the audit committee. And then letter G, reviewing the results of the audit And uh, one of the things that comes with an annual audit, if if your ministry has never had one, in addition to the financial statement, where the auditor prepares an opinion about the financial uh, uh, statements of the ministry, they also provide what's known as a management recommendations report. And in my opinion, that's one of the most value-added parts of the entire audit process. And that's basically a letter to the the church uh, leadership that says, you know, we've reviewed and audited the the, the uh, financial control system of the church. We've reviewed and audited the financial statements. And in our opinion, here are six or eight areas where you guys could improve. Here's an area where maybe uh, maybe you're not following a best practice and in, in an internal control. Or here's an area where we felt like that was a little weak or your documentation wasn't complete. In my opinion, that's where value-added... Uh, service begins with the auditors, because now I've got something to work on. Now I know here's an area where we can be better next year and where we can do things in a better way. So letter G, they review the results of the annual audit. And then letter H, hand in hand with that, is that uh, they address with accounting staff any material or serious recommendations and make sure that a plan is in place to fix those items before the next audit. Uh, That's what letter H is there. So, uh, again, those are some key responsibilities of the audit committee. We could probably put together at least another six or eight of these, but these are the main things that the audit committee uh, does for the church. Now, let's look at the last point there, uh, Roman numeral 7, the product product of faithful stewardship. Uh, First of all, God's continued blessings. God's continued blessings. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, you're all familiar with the parable of the talents. The parable of talents, and and often, you know, like with my daughter or something, we always focus on the unwise steward. You know, I've got a teenage daughter, so I'm always focusing on, you know, don't hide your talent in the ground and all of this. But you know, let's talk about a second for those couple of stewards that were actually they did the right thing. They remember they they took the five and ten talents and they went out and they doubled them and they gave it back to their to their master. And what did the, what did the master do? He rewarded. Uh, those two faithful servants with additional blessings. He actually, they took what was from the unfaithful guy and gave it to the, the two faithful ones. But um, it's, it's important that we understand that uh, we're not entitled to God's blessings. Uh, God blesses us. I, think, I really faith, uh, believe that he blesses us in proportion to our faithfulness and our level of stewardship. Uh, so first of all, God's continued blessing is a product of faithful stewardship. Number two, a good name, a good name. Uh, Proverbs 22, one you you're all familiar with a good names rather than to be chosen the great riches and we as a church in the handling of church finances in every area but especially in also in the area of handling church finances we want to have a good name and then uh, letter C and letter D a grateful church family is a product of faithful stewardship a grateful church family and a confident church family, letter D. And let me just say a grateful and confident church family is a giving church family. Because they have they have confidence in the leadership of the ministry. They have confidence in the pastor and the and the in the staff and those that are handling finances, that they're they're handling those in an appropriate way. And with that uh, comes greater blessing. And those are the products of faithful stewardship. So Uh, Just in conclusion, um, the church finance committee audit committees are designed to be a help and a blessing to your church. Um, You may not be a point where you have them right now, but I would say that as God grows your church, you'll know, you'll probably know intuitively you know, it's time for us to have somebody else looking at that. And, you know, I I wouldn't say to a church planner, hey, you need to have a finance committee. They're probably struggling just to find somebody to, to 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 do the offering count. So it's as a God blesses.
0: Thank you for listening to this ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on the purpose and function of church finance and audit committees with Ben Hobbs. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this ministry127 podcast.